Well, good morning, Celebration Church, those that are joining us online, all of our campuses. Great to have everybody here this morning. If we could stand up wherever you're at, let's all join together. Let's say this. This is who we are. This is what we believe here at Celebration Church. Let's all say this together. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Good to be with everyone today. My name is Bob, one of the pastors at Celebration Church. Pastor Mark, he is at a family wedding this weekend, uh, so he's out doing that. He'll be heading back into Green Bay later today and then uh, going off with Jimmy Bratcher later in the week doing the Sturgis Rally where they get together. It's one of our local missions partners. They go and play blues concerts at Sturgis and they share the gospel and it's a pretty neat thing and we're all connected with it. So kind of fun. And uh, this morning we've got a treat. We've got uh, Pastor Gary Rivas with us. He's our good friend. Uh, He is the bishop in South Africa and a great friend of ours. He came into town. I had the uh, privilege of having lunch with him yesterday and then we, man, we indoctrinated him. We took him to Lambeau Field for family night. Last night, so he got to see 63,000-some-odd fans watching practice, and uh, it's a beautiful thing to be a Packer fan, and he is as well, so he is welcome in Green Bay, amen? So good to have them here. Uh, We also have Transition One, our gap year program. So we sent students this last year over there. It was great. I'm sure you'll hear a little bit about it this morning. Let's all put our hands together and welcome Pastor Gary Rivas here this morning. No? Yeah, now we go. I was wondering why everyone was just staring at me. It's like, I've been here before. Uh, so, uh, yeah, 63,000 people watching a practice. That was incredible. Uh, I was texting my mates back in Johannesburg, saying to them, man, you can't believe it. This is just like a, a practice match. There's people throwing a ball in the one corner. There are other people doing something else in the other corner. Of course, I don't know what's going on. So I'm like, my explanations were so bad, you know. Uh, but it was, a, it was a real gift. <clears throat> so thank you for the invitation to be here. Um, it's the first time I'm preaching, and I've been here a couple of years without Mark being here, um, Pastor Mark being in the service, so that just gives me a whole lot of license to really say what I want to say <laughs> without him being here. So uh, looking forward to that. A couple of stories I need to tell you about him when he was in South Africa a couple of times that, that I need to share. Um, as uh, Pastor Bob said, we were really privileged to have... Uh, uh, and Pastor Joe, I want to just thank you so much to have some of the Transition One students staying um, in, uh, in South Africa 
um, this, this last year, this year, this last year, we had five of, of the students and what a gift they were to us. We really, really uh, were blessed by them. Um, and of course, uh, just to say um, to Pastor Joe, we're excited about having more students next year again. So thank you for that. Uh, it's a great program and I, and I know that as a church, the, the church supports the program. And uh, the interesting thing about that is that not only I think that their lives would change, but so many of uh, people that they came into contact with lives would change as well. So I want to thank you for that. Let's pray for a moment. Lord God, we're grateful that we can be here today to worship you. We're grateful, Lord God, for the opportunity to be together as a family. And even although we come from different backgrounds and different cultures, different socioeconomic brackets, here at the foot of the cross and with each other, we are one. We are family. And so, Lord God, as we meet as a family, not only here in, in Green Bay, but across the world, not only in the one campus, but all the campuses, we are one because of you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm, I'm wanting to, to read a scripture, um, and so I'm not too sure if you... If you've brought a Bible, it's going to be up on the screens, but if you turn to Psalm 150, it's just the one scripture that I'm going to be reading this morning, and then I'm going to launch into what I have to say, what I have a sense that God has led me to speak about today. I know that I speak with a bit of a funny accent, um, so if you are not sure what I've said or if I say a word that I shouldn't say, just wave at me <laughs> or, or walk out or something like that. So, <laughs> Okay, Psalm 150, you got it. I'm finding it. I generally find the scripture first before I come onto the pulpit because more than once when I was reading out of Zephaniah or something like that, I couldn't find it and uh, had to talk for quite a long time. Okay, Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the mighty heavens. Praise him with his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with a harp and with a lair. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now that scripture is written uh, in the setting of a time of worship together. Uh, since I was elected as a, as a bishop just over a year ago uh, within the Methodist Church of Southern Africa, we, um, I'm an overseer of about 180 churches. Uh, I get to travel the length and breadth of the country uh, visiting different churches. Um, and so I preach in the most basic rural settings where in church buildings that have half the roof missing, windows missing, um, doors missing just because of the socioeconomic context of that place. Uh, but the area that I cover also covers the richest square mile in Africa, um, uh, sort of in the Johannesburg region, and so I've worshipped in and preached in very large settings. Us meeting together, no matter what the context is or what the setting is, is one of the greatest gifts that God gave us, and that is meeting together in a sanctuary or meeting together as a family or meeting together, whether you're worshiping and meeting under a tree and worshiping somewhere or whether you're worshiping in a massive, big 10,000-seater auditorium. The gift of being together on a holy day is critical. 
whether you worship on a Sunday, whether you worship on a Saturday, whether you worship midweek. The getting together and being together is a gift that we have. And unfortunately, sometimes along the way, we take us meeting together like today for granted. It's just something that we do, sometimes without even thought. It's sometimes even a, a habit that we've got into that eventually just becomes almost like being in a rut. And I want to just remind you together today, wherever you're watching this from, that being together is important. I have a, a friend of mine who, when I ask him about going to church, he talks about waking up on a Sunday morning in his gown and PJs, I don't know if you call them PJs, yeah, pajamas, you call them PJs, PJs, and his like, sort of slippers on, he makes himself a super latte, mache something, and his coffee machine, uh, goes downstairs, sets his recliner back into almost sort of first class position, and sits and watches uh, one of our TV evangelist friends, and he convinces me that he goes to church every Sunday, and I'm saying, man, there's something missing in that of meeting together. Let me tell you a couple of things that happens when we meet together. Firstly, for me, there is a great awakening that takes place. When we come together in a, in a, in a spiritual setting or a worship setting of praising God, we, we can sometimes rem, are reminded that we go through times in our life living in, in what I call spiritual fog. We sometimes have this rough and crazy week, and I don't know what your week was like. I don't know if this week and that you had some really hard knocks. I don't know whether the, the fact that we live in a fallen and broken world has, world has affected you somehow. I don't know if this week you found some times in that where it was really difficult just to get up and carry on. Not only physically, but spiritually or emotionally. And you know what? We need to clear our heads. We need to recalibrate our spirit. We, need to, we sometimes need a, a, a jump start so that we can continue facing life. Martin Luther said this about corporate worship. And he spoke about how important it is that we meet together. He, he, he said this. He said, at home in my own house, there is no warmth or vigor in me. But in the church, when the multitude are gathered together, there is a fire that's kindled in my heart and it breaks its way through. Now, if you go and read Psalm 73, the psalmist begins the psalm by saying this. He, he says this. Um, he, he despairs over the prosperity of his wicked peers. In other words, the type of spiritual fog that he was in is he was going, have you ever thought this? Have you ever thought, how is it I like really try and live a good life and it seems, and I go to church and I worship and I do all of these things. Why is it that other people seem to be getting on ahead of me or doing better than me and, and they live lives that are completely rebellious and they live lives that are like so anti-God or not interested in God, either agnostic or atheist. They don't care. And here I am slogging it out. I'm in the same job. I haven't moved on financially. My marriage is, is on, sometimes I find in tatters. What is going on? Why is it that evil people prosper? Why is it that other people seem to be getting on and I'm really trying my best? So he's despairing over the prosperity of the wicked. And it starts off like that. Then the fog clears. And he comes into the presence of God. When I, and he says this, when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me like a wearisome task. In other words, he's speaking about being 
run down spiritually. He talks about how, this, how, how even his walk with God has become a weary thing, something that's just become a habit, lost its fire. It says this, It seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. In other words, in the midst of his battle, in the midst of the spiritual haze that was thick, the breakthrough came through in the context of worship. It then, towards the end of, of Psalm 73, it, le- it leads to this climatic expression of praise, similar to what we read in Psalm 150. Then he says this, going from the spiritual fog or the spiritual haze, he goes from this weariness, he says, whom have I in you? Whom have I in heaven but you? He says, there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Who is there in heaven besides you? Does that have a, does that ring a bell for you? Are you able to come to a place and meet with family and meet with friends in a community and come into the presence of God and have your fire reignited? How many times have you found this to be true? Because I found it true for me. And sometimes what we end up doing is we end up staying away. I mean, this is the funniest thing ever. I'll bump into someone, I'll go, hey man, I haven't seen you in church for a while. Well, Gary, I've been, the whole life is hard. And I'm like, what are you doing? Of all the times that you should be in church, it's now the worst thing that you can ever do. And I know I'm, I'm pretty much preaching to mostly uh, of the converted because you're actually in church today. Uh, so it's like, man. So the, the deal is this. Please remember this. When you face a challenge, and, and one thing that you and I are guaranteed of is that you and I at some stage in our lives, we're going to face a challenge. At some stage, our marriage is going to be going through difficult times. At some stage, we're going to struggle in our jobs. At some stage, we're going to hassle with our kids. At some stage, something's going to go wrong. Remember what I'm saying to do to, today. Please do not stay away from worship. Whatever you do. Even although you may feel spiritually lethargic, even although you may feel spiritually completely dry, Do not stay away because what we need more than ever is an awakening of worship. In Psalm 73, when our hearts feel its least is when we need to do the most to remind our souls, for me it is good to be near God. So part of the test, friends, just quickly this morning before I move on to the next thing I want to say, I want to ask you, how is it that you leave this place of worship today, whatever campus you're in? Did you have a sense of a spiritual awakening? I want to speak about assurance for a moment. When we meet together, there is a sense of, of assurance. Well, what are we assured of? We are assured of the fact that we are not alone. We are assured of the fact that we are part of a greater body. We are assured of the fact that, that the, this is bigger than just you and I. That we are part of, and we said it in the, in the creed of what we believe. We believe in the holy, the holy church, the church across the world. I mean, right now, uh, my daughter is about to, uh, in a short while, is about to be preaching in, in my home church. 
Um, and we have, in South Africa, it's, we have Sunday evening services. I don't think it's big here. But we have Sunday evening service. And like in about an hour or so, she's going to be ready uh, to be preaching. And I just texted her before the time going, uh, part of our ser- services are going to overlap. And I was just saying to her, uh, I'm thinking of you and praying for you. Um, as she, and then she responded saying, she's praying for me uh, while I'm here. And um, it, it's bigger than just what's happening in your local campus. And we have to be assured of that. And when we think, when we, when we think that things um, uh, in the world, and sometimes when we look at the world and we think, oh my word, this, this thing about the church, you see, um, the gates of hell, of hell will never prevail against the church, ever. And you have to be reminded that it's not just this community worshiping here in this campus, but you have to be assured that across the world today, millions and millions of people are worshiping with us in about around about the same time, give or take a couple of hours. It's a reminder that we are not meant to take this journey alone. It's a reminder when we worship together that we are not meant to stand alone and we do do not become um, Christians that live on an island, but we worship together. I want to just say say this to you, is that if this is your only experience of God, is on a Sunday morning, or a Sunday at some stage, I want to just say to you that you're missing out so much. I, I don't know those of you who, um, who are in South Africa, we're going through winter at the moment. And so I'm like one of the sort of, I, I believe in the seasons and that, you know, so when it comes to winter, it's really important to stock up, if you know what I mean. Because <laughs> you never know when it's going to be a, a long, lean season again. So, doing, so often after winter, after stocking up, and I do believe in, in that. It's really important, the seasons and that. Um, I find that so in summer, you want to get back to gym and start doing... Well, have you noticed that if you go to gym once a week, that you don't get any, any fitter? Have you noticed that? I've tried dieting one day a week. <laughs> like, I'm going to eat so well today, and of course it doesn't work. This quite cannot be your only assurance uh, your only sense of church, because if you want to grow in your faith, worshiping, one, uh, getting together one day a week is not enough. And if you can get involved in small groups, and if you can get involved in the summer things that you're having, those midweek things, because you know what, can I tell you in essence, sitting here today, this isn't church in the strictest form. It's like, we're glad you're here. But let me tell you, a circle is better than a straight line. That means that meeting around in someone's home or meeting around the table with other believers or getting into a small group because it's not just about you. I want to to speak about about advancing when we meet together. You know, when when we meet together, we do grow in some form. Uh, and, and Christian growth and, and our growing as, as Christ follows is, 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 is not just something that, that we take away as a, as a sermon application and we try and figure that out during the week. Tim Keller one time said this, he said this, he, he spoke about that when we, when we sit together, when we worship together, when we sit under a gospel preaching, when we engage in worship and when we engage in being together, when God then takes, that, takes the Holy Spirit and infuses the scripture that's read, the prayer that is spoken, the worship song that is sung, and the truth that is preached, and he presses it right to the point of our need. 
so that when we leave church, when we leave being joined together in corporate worship, our lives are, in chain, are changed, our hearts are changed, and our minds are changed. I ended up bearing a, a guy who'd been worshiping uh, in the local church that I was in before where I am now, uh, and had been worshiping for 20 or so years, for a long time, loyal member of the church. And um, obviously I spoke highly of his involvement in the church and his involvement on a Sunday. And afterwards, and that after the service that we were having tea and that in, in the foyer of the church, and one of his colleagues came up to me and said to me, I've been working with this guy for 17 years and I didn't know he was a Christian. I didn't even know he went to church. Or in the one church that I went to, one of the first churches I ever, I ever pastored, um, there was a, a guy in the congregation sat right in the front row. There's nothing against you sitting in the front row. Please don't. I'm not speaking about you. Sitting right in the front row, and he was a pastor's dream. He would like visit us. He showed us around this town. It was a new town for us. He brought us some, some dinners the first couple of nights. I mean, what, if, if he was around and you could really rely on him. And the one day I went to, uh, after I'd been there for about a month or two, I went to go and visit him. And I, and I wanted to just say thank you and sort of a good old-fashioned pastoral visit. And I arrived there, and he wasn't home yet. He was on the way home. He was like two minutes away from the house. And so his wife had made a cup of coffee, and we were sitting there, and I said to her, your husband is such a gift to the church, such a gift. And she looked at me and said to me, yes, but you don't have to live with him. You don't have to live with him. You see, in a, in a sense, there was, there, was, there was no advancement for him. There he, was, he was coming in and going out, and nothing really had changed in his life. Being together, being together here was just a, a moment of, I don't know what, because he had come to this place of no change, that God hadn't had the impact that we thought it had. And one thing about coming to church we're good at pretending, aren't we? I mean, how many of you here have had maybe had a tough week or in a tough place? And when you get here to church and someone says, how are you doing? Don't we often always respond? So, I'm, I'm, things are so well. And in the place where we are called to tell the truth, we often don't. And I know what's happened once or twice maybe to you is that you've maybe told the truth once, and you could almost see it in the other person's eyes going, I just really wanted to know how you were. Not really know how you were. Just like I'm doing good things would have sufficed. And so we don't do that. How have we grown in our faith? How, we, how have we advanced? And I know for every pastor that leads here uh, in this church, or in any community, they would be saying to their community who worship on a Sunday, if you were here this time last year, part of this community, and you look back on the last 12 months, how has the kingdom advanced in your life? And if you're sitting in the same place, not physically, although I know we do like our normal seats, who's sitting in their same seat that they do every Sunday? Be honest. Yeah, exactly. So not physically. But if you have not moved spiritually, if, you're not, if you have not grown or advanced, can I ask you to please re-engage with God? I want to speak about, about this, about accepting. 
one important distinction between public worship and private worship is, is about the acceptance of God's leading. See, when we get together and we worship together as a church, it reminds us that our faith is often about receiving. See, when, we, when I say what, I say, what I mean is this, is that in, when we have our private devotions, and if you read your Bible privately and you have your quiet times and you lead your devotional lives, that's really important. But in that moment, we lead ourselves in some aspect. So for example, the, the daily devotions that I'm going through at the moment for my quiet time, I chose them. When I sit down in my time of devotional quiet time, the music that I listen to, I've chosen. I choose. The book that I'm reading at the moment, pretty much, I've chosen. But when we come together in corporate worship, one of the most difficult things is this, is to accept someone else's leading. When, when, we're, in, when we're in private worship or devotion, we're in the driving seat. But when we come and worship together, that is why it's very interesting, and I can maybe say this because you know, I'm, I'm not from here, but I get, I'm interested when I receive an email from, from someone that goes, Gary, um, that worship yesterday, nah, the songs, like we didn't know them, that, you know, they, they, they were just too loud or too soft or, or whatever the case may be. Or, or the sermon didn't do all. Well, this is the thing. When you come and worship corporately, it's not about you. Being here today is not about you. This church and any church is not set up to please you individually. And I know because I've also sat on the other side and listened and, and I sometimes find myself quick to go, oh, not today, of course, the worship was fantastic today. It was brilliant. You know, or, or the scripture or something. And sometimes we can be quite critical, can't we? I, I was preaching last week. Sometimes we, we're quick to bring the faults of others into the light of day. But you see, when we worship corporately here, we have to somehow give up control. We have to give up wanting to lead the whole time. We have to give up wanting to be able to think that it's about us. And so when we, when we come and we engage in worship here, when we engage with God here, we allow someone else other than us to make the calls and giving up control is one of the hardest things you and I ever have to do in this life. Give. Why do you think it is so difficult to become a Christ follower? Because God calls us to give up control and to give our lives completely to him. So when you come to church on a Sunday or whenever it is that you worship, you need to get here on a Sunday in our time ready to raise the white flag and to say to God, God, I'm going to give up control and I'm ready and prepared to be led by others. And so the songs that were chosen this morning, 
may or may not have been your favorite. But maybe in those songs, as the team got together and prayed and asked what to to sing, maybe in those songs there is a word just for you. And maybe in the midst of our busyness and control, we missed out on something. And I could almost say to you that I could bring those words up again of the songs that we sang. And within those words, in the verse somewhere, in the chorus somewhere, there was a line that God had prepared just for you. That was meant to hit you right between the eyes. But somehow we struggle to give up control. And our corporate worship demands that we discipline ourselves to respond and not to pursue God on our own terms. Not to pursue God with our own desires and our own wants. But it is an, a, it is an opportunity to embrace being led by someone else. Give up control. So we meet here together on this beautiful day as Pastor Bob spoke about and prayed about. And I'm wondering, what is the point besides getting together and feeling sometimes that we fulfill the duty? I'm wondering if you came here this morning as I close off expecting anything from God. I'm wondering if you arrived here this morning going, God is going to do a thing today. God is going to take this thing that I'm facing, or God is going to heal. God is going to do something today. And I think that sometimes when you and I come face to face with God, he's going to, he's going to be like looking at me and going, Gary, it's like, why did you expect so little from me? It's like, why? why? I, I can do so, and I could have done so much more. And let's start when we worship together. Let's start that when we get ready for church next week Sunday, that on your drive over to your campus or you drive over to your church, wherever it may be, that in your mind, you're already beginning saying, God, you're going to lead this thing and something, you're going to use me and something exciting and dynamic is going to happen. It should be that when you and I leave here and we go past a local coffee shop or restaurant, that we should be walking out of here on another level. That people see something in us. Because I saw this last night. One of the biggest things about going to the football last night, to the practice last night, there was this heightened expectation of people as they stood in lines. I can tell you now, if people stood in lines like that to come to church, <laughs> oh my word, you know. Was, I, I, I said to them, I said, I cannot believe how patient people were. Then they had like a storm thing happening. And then we were delayed by an hour. And everyone sat patiently in the thing under the roof, patiently waiting. Man, if we delayed the service by an hour... I mean, would you even be here now? You know? And then in the stadium, there was this electric 
sense, well, literally with a lightning, but there was this, this, there was this electric sense of expectation. And that was just practice. And then when people left, it was wonderful. The kids were excited. The, I want to tell you, I was amazed. Everyone was dressed up and had their green on and, and all the rest of it. So it was very easy last night as people left the stadium to notice who the Packer fans were. <laughs> In the morning today, because Jesus said, you'll be known by your fruits. I'm wondering if you leave here today. I wonder if you and I, as we leave here today, what it is that we walk away with. Because I believe that God is doing something in this place. Every Sunday. Let's pray. So Lord, we're grateful for our time together. We're grateful that we can meet with you and be with you. As we leave here now, Lord God, we pray that we would take the church with us into the world, into our homes. Thank you, God, that it never ends here, but that there is so much more. And so, Father, go with us, we pray, for we go in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.